Well, good morning. Welcome again to Southwoods Christian Church. My name is Lori Montague. I'm Greg's wife, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Did you enjoy that video? I sure did. And I love those kinds of stories. For the several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of plus one. And you're familiar with the idea of plus one, aren't you? You know how it works. You're invited to a dinner party or a very special wedding or a very special event. And then this gracious host says, I'd like for you to come. And then I'd like for you to have a plus one. You can bring someone else with you if you'd like. Who are you going to bring? And you think to yourself, well, I'd like for this to be someone very special because this is a big event. Or I'd like for this to be a time when I get to introduce someone that's special to me, to my friends and my family. Maybe it's someone who's important to you. Maybe it's someone who would never have the chance to go to a special event like you've been invited to. And so you bring someone with you. You bring your plus one. And so for several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of plus one. And, you know, sometimes we're tempted to think these are new ideas. This plus one is kind of a new idea. But I've been thinking about it quite a bit, and the truth is it's not. It's an old one. In fact, Jesus had this idea of plus one all along. If you've opened your Bible, you probably have seen in Luke chapter 14, he tells this amazing story. It's a true story, and then it's a parable. And he does it because he wants to help his readers and his listeners to understand the importance of this idea of plus one. If you have your Bibles, turn there to Luke chapter 14. If not, just follow along on the screen. Because the Bible says this, Jesus was talking one day, and he said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't just invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives and your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that'll be your only reward. Instead, I want to encourage you, he says, to invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And then Jesus illustrated it with a story. He says, it's like this. A man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field. I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just bought five pair of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married. I couldn't possibly do another thing. I just got married. I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious. And he said, go quickly into the streets and into the alleys of the town and invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the blind, invite the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and go behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come. Why? So the house can be full. Jesus was urging his listeners that day, he was urging us as well who are reading it this day, to live with this plus one mentality, was he not? Look again at verse 23. Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge who? Anyone you can find to come. Why? Because the house must be full. I think Jesus is not satisfied with a partially full house. 
I think Jesus, when he sets a table, a banquet table, he wants every place filled, every seat full. It's so interesting to me that the early followers of Jesus were listening to this story and not just listening because then they started living it. Isn't that the best? When someone listens and then puts it into practice. And if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, there are story after story after story, true stories, of men and women who were living this parable. For example, one of the first guys that I always love to talk about, you've heard me talk about him before, is Peter. Peter in Acts chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters because that's when the church started. And Peter started by preaching this idea of this plus one mentality. Acts 2, 38, he says, Peter replied, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he started the plus one idea. He said, this is for you and for your children and for those far away and for all who have been called by the name of God. Do you see the plus one, plus one, plus one, plus one? People were listening that day, and the Bible tells us that those who believed what Peter was saying, they were baptized. And the Lord added to the church, see the word there, added, plus one. The Lord added to the church, how many, a few? No, 3,000 people that day, one by one by one by one. That's a big day. That's a big day even for a church today, to have 3,000 people baptized and added to the church and that's how it began, Acts chapter 2. But it didn't stop there. Because the Bible, as you keep turning the pages, tells you about other people. Next, we come to Acts chapter 7. And we meet this guy named Stephen. And I love Stephen because he not only lived the plus one idea, but he was willing to die for the plus one idea. He was so committed to telling others about Jesus that he literally died telling others about Jesus. He's the first martyr, and you know his story. His story is huge in so many ways. We actually won't take the time to read it today because it is huge. It takes the whole chapter of Acts chapter 7, but I hope that you'll look there because when he was questioned about his faith, Stephen responded with a sermon that ultimately led to his death, as you know. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing sermon. You should read it. And the Bible tells us an interesting fact that in the audience that day, watching him and listening to his message that day, was a guy named Saul. You know him as Paul, the Apostle Paul. And that day, he wasn't saying, amen, brother, preach it. No. He was holding the coats of the guys who were throwing the stones to kill him. But he was listening. And I often wonder if Stephen knew that Saul, who later became Paul, was listening to his message that day. I often wonder if Stephen got a chance to see who Saul became, the guy who actually encouraged others to stone him. What a difference it makes when we begin to think that people are watching, people are listening, people are learning from the way we live, the way we walk, the way we talk, the things we do, the things we say. We never know. Stephen's a great example, isn't he, of someone not, who not only lived this plus one idea, but the Bible tells us that he died telling others about Jesus. And as we continue to turn the pages of the book of Acts, we see others. Chapter 8 tells us about a guy named Philip 
Philip, Acts chapter 8, look here, verse 26. As for Philip, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord said to him, go down south, the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And those of you who were just with us in Israel, you can envision that road from Jerusalem down to Gaza. And so Philip started out. And he met an important person, the treasurer of Ethiopia. This would be like the secretary of the treasury, a eunuch a great, of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. This eunuch was probably a Jew, and he had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning and seated in his carriage, which was probably a pretty nice carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit whispered to Philip, go over there and walk beside the carriage. Peter ran. Philip, excuse me. Philip ran. I love that. He didn't just walk. He ran over, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, you know, how can I unless someone instructs me? And then he urged Philip to come up into this really nice carriage and sit with him. And the passage of scripture that he was reading from was from the prophet Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet speaking of himself? Is he talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus Christ. And as they rode along, the eunuch was listening, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And then he ordered the carriage and probably others, because, again, he's a prominent person, to stop. And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Plus one, plus one, plus one. I love it that beginning with that very scripture, Philip then introduced him to Jesus Christ. That day, he answered his question. He told him about Jesus. He baptized him. And the scripture says that he sent him on rejoicing to a whole other land, Ethiopia. And I imagine that he became a missionary, <laughs> telling others in the land of Ethiopia about Jesus Christ. Plus one, plus one, plus one. Philip like Peter and like Stephen, lived with this plus one mentality. And if you keep reading the book of Acts, we all know that story after story then is recorded about a guy named Paul in the book of Acts. Yes, the same guy, Saul, who was watching Stephen as he was stoned to death. Because the Bible tells us that eventually Paul, Saul, came to his senses and he came to the Lord. He became a believer and then he started telling others about Jesus. And if you read the book of Acts, every single chapter has something to say about Paul. He's speaking to Jews in the synagogues. He's talking to Gentiles. He's writing letters. He's taking mission trips. His whole life then became all about plus one, telling others about Jesus. One of my favorite stories of his is found in Acts chapter 16. You know it. Listen to it. 
A mob quickly formed against Paul and his colleague Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, Acts says, and then they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was ordered, make sure they don't escape. So the jailer, he put them into the inner dungeon, and he clamped their feet into stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and whining and saying, why has this happened to us again? This is horrible. What are we going to do? Maybe we should stop telling others about Jesus. No. Paul and Silas were praying and singing, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open. And then the chains of every prisoner fell off, and the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword, and he was ready to kill himself, to do to himself what would be done to him. But Paul shouted, no, stop. Don't kill yourselves. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, and he ran to the dungeon, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas because he had heard them singing and he had heard them praying. And he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Plus one, along with everyone in your household. Plus one, plus one, plus one. And so they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized at that hour of the night. And he brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. And he and his entire household, plus one, plus one, plus one, rejoiced because they all believed in God. Isn't it amazing that in the best of times and in the worst of times, people continued to share Jesus with others? Paul shared Jesus with his jailer. <laughs> and you know, friends, it's these men, Peter and Stephen and Philip and Paul and others from the Bible. It's men and women from history, ancient and recent, that inspire me. Because when I read these stories, I think, wow. I need to be telling others about Jesus. They did. At every cost, they did. And now I know about Jesus, and I need to tell others as well. And you know what, friends? It happens around here all the time. You know about that. And you might be wondering, Lori, what are these decorations up here that you've done? And I want you to see them because, well, we decorated the church here, and a lot of you are decorating your homes, and I did my part. This is about as good as I can do. You know I was a school teacher for a lot of years, right? And you're familiar with this, I think. This is what we call a chain, isn't it? And you know how it works with children or, or friends. Maybe you've done this before. One person makes a chain, a link, and then another person, and we attach it, and we attach another one, plus one, plus one, plus one. You're getting the idea, aren't you? And then before you know it, you have a chain that's not just made up of one, but you have a chain that, that's big enough to, to wrap all around the tree. And sometimes when we were kids, we used to say, where's the first one? And we're like, I don't even know. You can't even see where the chain began. But everyone can stand back and go, wow, that's an amazing chain. And we did it together. These kinds of chains remind me of things that have happened in my life and in your life as well. I remember in 1989, 
long time ago. Some of you weren't even born. Greg and I came to Kansas City, and our assignment was to plant Southwoods Christian Church. Like many of you, we moved into a neighborhood, and some of the very first people we met were our neighbors. You do it all the time. You meet your neighbors. Our neighbors were Ben and Susan, and we talked with them about our common faith. They loved Jesus. They knew Jesus, and so we had something immediately in common. They said, why are you here? And we said, we're here to, to start a new church. We actually just lived, Ben and Susan and Greg and Lori, right over the field over here. And they said, that's neat. That's interesting. And it wasn't too many days, maybe only a few hours, when, when Susan said, you know what? I'd like to tell you about a new friend that I just met. Her name's Linda. She just moved here from, from Chicago. And she's eager to meet new people. I wonder, could she come to your Bible study? And so Linda and Susan and others started coming to my house. And we started building a chain, one of the first chains here at Southwoods Christian Church. Because what happened was then when our church started, Ben and Susan were there to help. They had invited some other friends. And then Brian and Linda started coming, and they started inviting other friends, and the chain just continued to grow and grow and grow. Why? Because God put us in that neighborhood. And we said, hey, neighbors, our names are Greg and Lori. And they said, hey, we're Ben and Susan. And the chain grew. It also occurred when Greg and I met a guy named Sean. We went to a church in Olathe to talk about our plant, our church plant. And a guy named Sean came up. And he said, hey, I want to help you. And we said, okay. He introduced us to his beautiful wife, Deanne. And Deanne introduced us to her lovely parents, Dave and Dolores. They introduced us to their other son, Dan, and his wife, Lana, and their kids. Then we met this guy who was their friend named Jeff. Jeff had a lot of energy. Jeff was engaged to a lovely gal named Sheila, who was studying to be a doctor. They started coming to Bible studies and backyard barbecues. We started playing softball together. We did all kinds of things together. And then we started dreaming and praying for this new church at Southwoods. The church started, and then they had other friends that they brought, people like Mike and Peggy and their family, Larry and Myrna. I'd never even known Larry and Myrna, but they did. Dave and Leanne and their sons. Then... Jeff said, I've got this brother, little guy named Greg. Can he come? Greg started coming. Before long, Greg met Robin. A little later on, they said, we have a friend named John, and he plays the bass. A little later on, they had other, they had other brothers. They had brothers and sisters and people like Ken and Suzanne and, and Brian. And Wow. They just started plus oneing, plus oneing, plus oneing, sharing Jesus with their friends and their family and saying, hey, you want to come to church? Why don't you come to church? And the chain, another chain, grew. I was thinking just this week, Thursday, <laughs> about my friend Sandy. And I remember we were having an event here at the church. It was called Taste of Christmas. We would eat. It was for the women. We would eat and we would do crafts. No men allowed. And we would have fun and it was so fun. We'd wear our Christmas sweaters. And we would be goofy, and we'd just have a great time, and there'd be like 100 women here. And one night, this beautiful gal showed up. She's like, hey, I'm Sandy. I'm like, hi, Sandy. How'd you hear about us? Oh, my neighbor. My neighbor told me you guys were having a party at the church. Here I am. Sandy brought her, her daughter-in-law, Tracy, 
And they were wonderful people. We immediately said, look at these friends. Then Tracy told her husband, Lane, and they started bringing their family to Southwoods. One of their daughters was Jada. And Jada told her, really nice friend, Dylan, hey, you should come to church with me. And then Dylan started coming to church, and Dylan told his sister Ashley and Ashley and Harrison, and then they told their dad. And along the way, also, Sandy said, I have another friend named Glenna, and she has grandchildren, and they have friends. And you know what? Why don't you just come to church? And a beautiful chain just grew and grew and continues to grow. I think about a girl named Carla, and this is my last story, I promise. The Carla, and I hardly knew Carla. But she would come to Celebration Station. That's what we used to call children's ministry when I was way back in the dark ages, when I was back there with the children doing this kind of stuff. And Carla would come in. I'd say, hey, Carla. And then she'd leave her children. And her children would come stay with me for an hour, and we'd have a good time. And I loved her children. And then one day, Carla was talking to her friend, Teresa, and just reminding Teresa about Jesus at work. Just said, you remember Jesus. Why don't you just come to the church with me? And so Teresa came, and Teresa brought her children. And then Teresa met Mark, and then they got married, and they brought other people like David and Karen and Deb and Dave, and other people have been blessed because Carla, who honestly I didn't even really know, I go, hey, Carla. Carla said one day to her friend at work, why don't you just come to church with me? You know Jesus. Just come on. Plus one, plus one, plus one. This is how a church grows. This is how the gospel advances. This is how the people did it in the Bible. This is how we do it here at Southwoods. And we need to continue, plus one, plus one. Truth is, these are just four stories that I thought of just like that Thursday, sitting in my office. If I'd thought a little bit harder, I could have told more stories. And in fact, wouldn't it be fun if we just said, you know what, Greg's calling in pizza for everybody today, a salad for those of us who don't like pizza, and we're just going to hang around here today, and we're going to just tell our plus one stories. Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun to give glory to God to say, this is how I connected to Jesus. This is how I connected to this church. This is how I'm connected to you. Wouldn't it be fun? And truth is, we really should. We really should do it. But today I want one more person to tell one more story. And I hope that you're blessed by it, because this is one of my oldest friends. I've known her for a long, long time. She first showed up at Southwoods, and she wants to tell that story. And her name is Tara. And when I first knew her, she was a single gal. I'll let her tell what she was doing. <laughs> but she came one Sunday. Her name was Tara Davis. Oh, and she has a microphone. And y'all know her, Tara Wassler. So, Tara, would you tell us? Tell us your chain story. Am I good, Ken? Excellent. So, um, I'll be brief because I can't top that. Um, but Lori just said she doesn't, you know, sometimes you look and you don't even know where the chain began. Well, I know where the chain began because it began right there, Pastor Greg, and it began right there. And I think all of us this morning can give a huge thank you. So, let's do that real quick. Sorry. Have to. Have to. Has to be a starting link somewhere. So April of 1990, well, first off, let me back up. No coincidences in the life of the Lord, right? So my nephew is getting married tonight, and I have three big brothers, 
and one of them had moved away not too long ago to California. And they decided they were coming in for the wedding. And this was already planned. We were already having this series. And the reason that is significant is because in April of 1990, my brother, Todd, and his wife, Lori, who are here today, wave your hand. Yeah. They are here today for the wedding, and they received the first postcard of Southwoods Christian Church in the mail, and the phone call, the calling tree back then, where you would call and invite people to church. So it started with them. And I, my husband and I, my now husband, we were born and raised Catholic, 12 years of parochial education in private school. And my sister-in-law says to me, because I needed a place to crash for a summer, <laughs> she's like, hey, why don't you come to church with me? I'm like, piece of cake, been going to church my whole life, not a problem. So here we come, about eight months later, to Southwoods Christian Church. Whoa. Very different than what I was raised in. But it immediately grabbed my heart. Fast forward to 1992, and I marry that guy, Mr. Wassler. And he, I say, come to this church. No, no. Mm -mm. Not for me. I'm Catholic. Steeped in tradition, which is a fine thing. Then he met Sean. And he met Jeff Alton through softball. <laughs> so he got into a relationship. So link, link, we're truly linked in, right? LinkedIn. Link, 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 link to Danny. Link. And then we have family, McKenna and Cole. Link, link, right? Now you fast forward a little bit more. My kids are in elementary school. And I meet this beautiful teacher at Morse Elementary, which, no coincidence, was where the church started, Kristen Leeming. And we have a little conversation. I'm like, you're darling. I know a super darling guy at church, and I think you guys should meet. <laughs> and they did. And the rest is history. Now, Brendan was already here with Steve and Tanya, but link, link, now Brooks, link, right? Then I see my friend Carl Scavuzzo, who went to high school with Danny and I. And we were talking, and he got into the men's ministry here, and we're like, Link. And then he married Sandra. Link. And their kids. Link, Link. <laughs> and so it goes. And I couldn't help by when you were talking to think that here we sit today in 1990, my brother and sister-in-law, who don't even live here anymore, who are back for a wedding, coincidentally, on the same day that we're talking about how this started. I'm not here for any other reason, by the grace of God, and that invitation. And it makes you emotional because your lives are changed when you are in a relationship and somebody takes the time and the care to say, you know what, you matter so much to me that I'm going to ask you to come into this relationship with me. That's all. It started with you. And I'm so, so thankful for the invitation from you guys. Thanks, Tara. Thank you, Lori, for not throwing that piece of mail away. <laughs> Thanks for taking the risk to say, you want to come to church with me. Even though you know about Jesus, I just want to remind you about Jesus, and I'd love to just see you come. I never forget Tara came to a Bible study, and I won't tell that story. I'll let her tell that one. Just she and I and another friend of ours. And then we said, let's do some singing. It was about this time of year. Greg said, let's do some singing. Let's, let's get together. So a bunch of them came to my house because I could play the piano. 
and a bunch of them were huddled around me singing Christmas carols, and we were going to do that on Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, I started hearing this beautiful voice coming out of Tara Wassler, Tara Davis. And I told Greg later, she can sing. She has a beautiful voice. And it wasn't long before Tara began to give her life to Jesus in a new way. And as you know, the rest is history. Every week, she stands up here and then tells others and leads us in worship. And it's all because someone said, hey, why don't you come to church? Let me remind you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. You know, the Bible's so clear about it. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But I love how he says it in the parable that we started with, where he says these words in verse 23. He says, go out into the country lanes. Remember that? Go out behind the hedges and urge anyone you find, is what Jesus said, to come. Why? So the house will be full. The table is set. Jesus wants us all to have a place at the table. And so what about you? If today you're here and you say, you know, I don't really know Jesus and I want to know him more. I want to give my life to him. I want to put my faith and my trust in him. We want to help you with that today. Baptism Sunday, we can do that today. For the rest of us who, who know Jesus and who love him and who are following him, what about you? By the way, we're not going to get pizza and stay because Greg said no. <laughs> but you all can get pizza this afternoon and salad, and maybe it'd just be a good day for you to talk to your family and just say, hey, when was the first time I heard about Jesus? Who told me about Jesus? Or who reminded me about Jesus? Maybe a good day to just say, how did I hear about that church, Southwoods? And just tell that story with your friends and your family and give glory to God, not glory to Greg and Lori, but glory to God that you heard and you listened and that you came. And then my final challenge is just this, who are you telling? Who are you inviting? Who are you having coffee with? It does take time. And believe me, I know it's a risk. I know it's a risk to reach out and say, hey, would you like to come with me to the Christmas party on Wednesday? Would you like to come to my small group? Would you like to just sit down and talk about Jesus? The Lord asks us, to continue the plus one chain. And I hope today that you'll do that. Let's stand together as we commit ourselves to being people who are committed to living a life of plus one. And here's Greg to uh, lead us in closing prayer. Just to stay right here. Wasn't that, that good? So, thank you. Um, Here's uh, the insert that Tara mentioned earlier. We've got it in your bulletin. This obviously can be a reminder, but more than that, we'd encourage you to give it to somebody so it's a reminder to them. That's what we'd, we'd encourage you to do. Also, would invite you to stop back by some of the information tables at the back or along the, the coffee uh, bar area back there. We've got all these little business card things. On the front of it just says, there's something for you. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. It's nothing complicated or really flashy on the back side. It's got the name of the church, the address, uh, the website. Take some of them. I mean, throw them in a car, throw them at your desk, at the office, um, you know, put a couple in your billfold or purse or something like that. 
And just that way you always have something like that as you're interacting with people. Because here's the thing I know. Jesus gave his life so that people would come to find him and discover him. And uh, we're a part of that, of that chain. I was thinking as Lori was teaching, and I promise you, I'm not going to preach a long sermon here. Though uh, Peter in Acts 2 does go on and speak for a very long time, the text says. I noticed that. But really the chain began with Jesus. And, you know, you'd really have this one connecting here, and you'd have other ones connecting to all of these. It's a giant, a giant, crazy design kind of chain. But it's our role to do our part in, in helping people find him, and we just want to encourage you during this holiday season. Uh, take advantage of it. Take advantage of this season, all right? Uh, what, we are going to... Uh, um, we have a couple of baptisms in January. I know we've got a weekend in January to do some baptisms. We're all ready to do baptisms today. If, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never been baptized, um, come let us know afterwards. We can help you with that, all right? Let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Did you care about us more uh, than uh, words could express? And we ask uh, and invite you uh, to draw us toward you, we invite you to build uh, the chain, the legacy of faith uh, through us uh, for Jesus and for his kingdom. We want to do our part. Would you help Southwoods uh, in the near future? You have no, no, empty, no empty seats, no empty blue chairs. And pray that, Father, that would be so, not because we're doing such a good job in any respect, but because Jesus deserves um, the sacrifice and the love that he's expressed uh, to be known and for people to be loved as they are by you. And so help us to that end, Father. We thank you for uh, all the linkages here in this place that already exist and all the ones that will come into being in the years ahead. We give you credit for them. And now, Lord, if there are those among us who need to invite you as their Lord and Savior, Father, as they look heavenward and do that, we just pray for them and pray that you would meet them in that. If there are those who need to be baptized. Give them uh, the courage and the humility and the faith to, uh, to follow the example of the multiplied millions who've gone before, uh, who've given their lives to you and demonstrated their faith in the waters of baptism. Thank you, Father, for your kindness, and we lift this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.